where do you go to find authenticity and truth? Nobody wants to talk about the skeletons in their closet, the nitty gritty, or the failures, all of which I believe are the most important parts of anybody's story of success. This is a place where we say what nobody else is saying. Truth with Tara, welcome to the fold. and welcome to Truth With Tara. Today's show is entitled Right Idea, Wrong Image. So have you ever been a place in your life where you are so sure of the thing that you were supposed to set out to accomplish? Like you knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that this was what you were designed to do. And then you got to that place, like you worked really hard to get to that place and you realized that you may have somehow along the way missed the mark. You may have had the right idea of what you were going to do, but maybe the wrong image, maybe the wrong details of exactly how and what that looked like. So I want to talk to you today about that exact instance in my life when that happened. Um, So in in a couple episodes back um, in the podcast entitled Gatekeepers, uh, which was my second, uh, second show, on Truth With Tara, I talked about how I got on this Broadway show called Fame. And it was a really funny story. So if you haven't listened to Gatekeepers, I encourage you to go back and listen to that show. However, there is something that I need to say about Fame that I didn't get to say in episode two, which was this. Once I got on the show and I was doing the European tour, by the way, we did nine shows a week instead of eight because we were sold out and the producers got greedy and wanted to add another show. And I was all too happy to be uh, obliging and very eager to please. And so, yes, with the whole cast, we were doing nine shows a week. In fact, um, the other female lead's voice went out on her. And not only did I do nine shows a week with my lead role, but I ended up having to take over her songs as well for a good little while until her vocal rest was finished. So it was quite taxing, to say the least. And so I know that I was tired, right? And I say all that to preface this next sentence. I know that I was tired, but... There was a very specific moment about two months into the performance of shows where I was at my spot before the curtain came up. I was bored and I yawned on stage as the curtain came up. And that was a really big, oh my goodness moment for me, because this is what I had worked towards my entire life. That was the image of the pinnacle of success for me. I was the lead role in a Broadway musical and I was touring Europe. Like how much sexier can you get? I'm sorry. I was 19. Like that's big time guys. That's a big, big deal. Yeah. So why, if it doesn't get any better than this, if I'm the lead role, I am in a a show that's so awesome, heavy dancing, heavy singing, just as I had always dreamed it would be right. I've got the dressing room. I've got the hotel. I've got the, you know, the everything, right? The costume designers, my makeup, everybody, right? Why on earth am I bored and yawning on stage? I was shocked. I mean, I was shook, guys. I finished the show. I came back to the States. I went back to New York City and I joined Times Square Church. For those of you guys who don't know about Times Square Church, it's the church that Pastor David Wilkerson, who wrote The Cross and the Switchblade, founded in New York City. And fun fact, it is the only church By law, after this, they made a law, the only church that was able to buy an actual Broadway theater to the likes of which a chorus line the movie was filmed out of, which 
I, I couldn't believe like when I joined the choir of Times Square Church, um, I stood on the stage and realized just where I was. I realized that that stage and that view was the same exact view I watched <laughs> as a kid when I watched a chorus line, the movie. They filmed it there. It was crazy, crazy coincidence. So I'm fresh off Broadway, fresh back from the tour. Um, I joined Times Square Church. I'm singing in the choir. And shortly after that, um, Pastor Dave announced that he was doing a crusade in Zambia, Africa, and he wanted the choir to come. And I was so down. I mean, first of all, I absolutely love choirs. I love singing in choirs. I love worship music. And I loved Pastor David Wilkerson. I loved this church. So I was all in. Um, I was still 19 at the time and off to Zambia. I went with the entire choir. Now, something you need to know about Times Square Church's choir is that it was mostly, I mean, it's New York City, right? So it's very culturally diverse, but I was one of the only little white girls in that choir. Okay. Like these women were soulful, gospel, amazing singers. And then there was little old me who could keep up vocally, but I mean, I stuck out like a pretty big sore thumb. Let's just, let's just put it that way. So off to Zambia we go. And because of my classical training, I was able and still am able to learn dialects very, very quickly and very authentically. So these little kids in Zambia taught me this song and I'm going to sing it for you. Actually, it, it goes like this. Mama, yo, 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 wale sabawe me. Mama yo 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 wale saba we me wale saba we me wale saba we me mama yo 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 wale saba we me so what that means in their language is mama look 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 how good god is and listen for those of you who have not been to zambia and i'm assuming most of you haven't it is a very, very poor place to live. I mean, these people truly live in huts. They are in, um, they're on dirt floors. They have nothing. And yet this joy that is about them is just unbelievable. It's just unreal. And I remember being there and the, the worship leader of our choir saying to us, listen, we're going to go visit a church today and we're going to attend service. It was literally in a hut with, with dirt floors. And he said, they want to feed us afterwards. Now they've been saving up this food for two weeks. And I know that you may not want to eat it because you know that they don't have anything else, but it would be very dishonoring to them. And it would be very offensive to them if we didn't. So you have to eat what they give you, which of course just broke my heart knowing that these, these people, these wonderful, amazing people were so generous with the very nothing, not just the very little, but the very nothing that they had that they saved up to honor us and, and give us the little bit that they could scrimp up and save to say, hey, welcome. We love you and we're happy that you're here. It was the most beautiful act of really worship I, I had ever seen thus far in my 19 very long years of life, right? Um, so we get to the crusade and people walked for miles and miles to get there. And Look, I had just come off a show, right? So I know what it's like to perform in front of very large audiences multiple times a week. And so that wasn't something that really stunned or shocked me. But let me tell you, this was an open air stadium, okay? And it was like an ocean of people. I mean, so far, there were so many people all the way back to where you, you couldn't even discern 
a person from a person that just, you just knew there were more people in the background. It was crazy. And I was shocked. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting that. I didn't know what to expect, but I wasn't expecting that. But man, there were so many people there. And I remember the choir starting to sing. And after the very first song, outside of what was rehearsed, the worship leader came up to me out of the choir and said, Hey, Tara, go sing that song you learned with those kids. <laughs> now, I'm going to paint this picture for you, okay? I am a five foot two white girl, and I am being asked to go up front unrehearsed, no music, no nothing, to sing a song in a language I did not speak to people who spoke it, not just people, an ocean of people who looked nothing like me. I mean, I was literally sticking out like a sore thumb. And so I told him, no. And he looked at me, he's like, Tara, go do it. <laughs> I almost beat my pants, guys. I'm a performer. This is not something that happens to me. I do not get nervous, but I wanted to crawl in a hole and die. I don't know why. I was terrified. I slinked up to the front of the stage. There was no rehearsal. Acapella, I, I took the mic and I started to sing. Mama, yo, 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 And after I finished the first phrase, this ocean of people who were sitting at the time jumped to their feet. They started to sing with me all in one accord. And there was a dance that went along to this, by the way, which I also learned. And so I started to do the dance and everybody started to follow along and sing this song. And then the musicians who were amazing musicians found the key, figured out the chords on the spot and started to play. And it was as if the heavens themselves were rejoicing. And as I'm singing there to this ocean of people, God spoke to me and he said, right idea, wrong image. And it was like when I heard that in my head, everything else got soft real quick. Like, you know how when you when you're listening to something really loud, but then you plug your ears, you still hear it, but your ears are plugged. And so it's a different sensation. That's what it felt like to me as I was still singing and dancing. And as this ocean of people and musicians were singing and dancing, too. But I heard this voice say to me, right idea, wrong image. And I was confounded. I was dumbfounded. I had no idea what that meant. There was no further explanation. There was just those four words. So I thought about it for a while and, and the rest of the trip in Africa and then back on the plane home. And then I finally got back home to the States. I remember calling my mom and saying, mom, you know, this is how the trip went. This is what happened. It was amazing. And then I, I feel like I have the right idea, but the wrong image, but I don't know what of. I know it has to do with my career. I just don't know. And as I was pondering this, this phrase, what started happening as I started crying out to God and for, for just explanation, what, what does this mean? Like, I feel lost now. You know, what does that mean? The desire for further auditions started to go away. Um, I, I did have other auditions, private auditions. I was up, as I said, in Gatekeepers, my other um, podcast. Oh, I was up for Fiddler on the Roof. I was up for Hairspray, but I just didn't have the same desire to be auditioning. And let me let me put a, a pin in that for a second and say to you guys who are performers who are listening to this, there is absolutely nothing wrong with your highest calling being to be a Broadway performer, a recording artist, anything that you feel called to do. But if it's not where where you really should be and there's this 
left of center sort of the door is ajar in your life kind of feeling, well, then then you should pause long enough to honor that feeling and try to figure it out. And for me, that's how it felt. I knew that vocally I was in my sweet spot because I was using my voice, but but purpose wise, I knew that there was something ajar. The door was ajar. I didn't know which one it was or how to close it, but I knew something was ajar. And so I kind of stopped auditioning. I lost the will to audition. And as I lost the will to audition, I finally figured it out. And what I realized was that I had the right idea. Yes, you're gifted to sing. You're going to use your voice all of your life. It's what you're going to do. But the image, (laughs) this is so crazy. The image that I had in my mind's eye of what that was going to look like was was not the case. You know, I I grew up being told like, your name is going to be in lights, Tara. You are special. You are a star. Your voice is going to be heard by millions. Like I grew up hearing these things from teachers, from parents, from grandparents, from friends, from, from fan. I mean, I grew up hearing this. And so you internalize these things and you think, well, that is my destiny. That is, that is what I am supposed to live up to. It is what I'm supposed to aspire to and be. And if I'm not, then I'm less than my destiny or my calling. But as I was singing on that stage, this mama, yo, 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 and God said to me, right idea, wrong image. What I later realized was that the voice that I had been given was not necessarily just to entertain. There was something not enough about that for me. I didn't want to just reach the masses, sign autographs and get applause and do an encore at the curtain call. I wanted to reach people like into their hearts one by one. I really wanted to be a musicianary, essentially. I, I wanted that one-on-one impact, that interpersonal connection that you just cannot get from performing in front of masses. And again, there's nothing wrong with performing in front of masses. There's a place for that. And, and for some people, that is their sweet spot in the dead center of it. But for me, I knew then that I had to pivot. I could continue down this road. And yes, I could have gotten more Broadway callbacks. I could have landed more shows because once you get one, it's just a snowball effect after that. You know, you go from one to the other. But I, I had to take a good hard look at why I was pursuing it. And if I was honest with myself, and I was, thank God, I, I have to admit I was pursuing it because I felt that, well, that's just what you do when you're a good singer and you can act and you can dance. One plus one equals two. But God doesn't work in regular math, guys. Like he's, he's, you know, not good at math, actually. Thank God. Like God makes one plus one, 5,000, you know, he makes, you know, the fish and the loaves multiplied in, in such a way that there's leftovers that God's math is so much better than our math. And for me, the wrong image thing really bugged me. And I, above all else in my life, my, my prayer has always been, God, whatever you want, I want your best. Whatever you want is what I want too. And so I could no longer live another day pursuing something that I then knew was the wrong image. And so I'm going to stop there for a second and I'm going to turn it back to you guys. And I'm going to challenge you. What is that thing in your life that's ajar? Where are you left of center? Where are you missing the mark? And where do you feel you have maybe a skewed or wrong image going on? If you are really, really talented at, say, teaching um, and, and you're a teacher in a school, 
maybe, maybe that's what you're called to do, but maybe God's telling you to homeschool your kids. I don't know. I don't know. That just, that just came to me, but like illustrating an example there, it doesn't have to be give up the thing that you're great at or that you love to do the most and go do something completely opposite. That's not what God was asking of me. He was asking me to look a little deeper into his heart of why he gave me the gifting in the first place. And I'm not going to lie, guys, looking a little deeper and questioning the very purpose that you thought you were going to live the rest of your life with is an uncomfortable place to be because the question then pops up, well, what now? Like if I'm not a Broadway star, that's not it for me. Then what am I and who am I? This sort of existential crisis comes on and you really suddenly want to cling to anything because there's this huge looming question mark like, okay, well, if I'm not this and if I do have the the right idea, but the wrong image, what is the right image then? And that seeking, that soul searching is a very uncomfortable place to be. I can tell you now coming out the other side years later, I'm so grateful and glad that I had the fortitude within me to be able to withstand that uncomfortability. Um, a lot of people don't. A lot of people will question and then they'll just continue to go back to their normal routine and wait for life to happen to them. But this uncomfortability for me was something that I knew in my heart was going to be temporary. And I knew on the other side was the right image. And again, going back to my heart's desire of wanting God's best in my life, I knew if I had the wrong image, it was not as best. And so I could no longer stay in that place. That was a non-negotiable for me. And so the uncomfortability had to happen. And as I pressed through it, I, I just, I did what I thought was best at the time. So what I did was I stopped doing Broadway and I went back to school for worship leading because I felt very connected to worship music. And well, at least it was still singing. It was different than Broadway. Maybe this was it. So I went back to school for worship leading and then I didn't need to stay in New York since I wasn't doing Broadway anymore. And so I continued um, my music journey in education at Palm Beach Atlantic University and finished my degree there. All that to say, I didn't end up a worship leader, although at some point I'm sure I will do that. Um, I have led worship at churches and I do love it. It's just not the current season in my life. That is still the wrong image right now in this season of my life. And I do know that. However, it did lead me on a path that was redirected. And I do believe God's hand was in that. Just because you, you know this about yourself now. Okay, I have the wrong image. I'm going to do something else. Doesn't mean you're going to land right away on what is the right image. I, I want to impress that upon you. That's very important to know. God's not going to necessarily be like, hey, um, you should pivot. And this is exactly how you should pivot and where you should pivot to. It's more of a, a seeking. It's more of a risk. It's more of a, a constant questioning as I move through uncertainty. And as I try to gain clarity, I'm still stepping forward. And sometimes those steps don't lead to anywhere fruitful, but at least you're not back where you were. So I want to encourage you today. If you're someone who is listening to this and you feel like, wow, this is speaking to me and I don't know what to do next. I'm going to tell you exactly what to do next. Just don't keep doing the same thing. <laughs> the definition of insanity is repeating things over and over and expecting a different result. So that insanity for me would have been to take another Broadway role, knowing that it was the wrong image of what my calling and my highest purpose was to be and continue that, hoping that things were going to change. I had to change course and redirect the path first. He will always meet you 
but you have to take the first step on your own. That's why it's called a step of faith, folks. It's not comfortable. It's like Indiana Jones. You guys watch that where he's literally at the cliff, right? And it looks like there's absolutely nothing to catch him, but it calls for a step of faith. And he's like, well, I guess I'm stepping. And he steps. And of course, there is a bridge, but it's just camouflage. And it looked like there wasn't. That is literally the exact personification of what I'm talking about right now. It's the embodiment of what I'm talking about. You have to take that step of faith. It's uncomfortable. It's even terrifying. You feel like you are kamikazing your life away. But there is a camouflage bridge right underneath you waiting for your foot to catch it so that you can walk across safely. And it's always been there. But most people, they don't have the guts to take that first step. So if you're in a job that is thankless and you are not fulfilled and you know that it is not your highest purpose in life, you're not going to get out of that job unless you interview for another one or unless you save up enough money and savings to quit that job and look for a different one. You cannot continue to repeat the same thing over and over and expect a different result. So I want to encourage you today. What are you waiting for? If something is ajar in your life, if you're left of center and you are not in your sweet spot, I promise you two things. One, you do have a sweet spot. You just haven't found it yet. And two, you have everything you need within you to find it. Those are my two promises to you. I know it because I've lived through it and I'm out on the other side. And this podcast even is one of the things that is so within my sweet spot. And I'm so honored and humbled to share my story with those of you who are listening. So thank you guys. Thank you so much for giving me that honor. Thank you so much for watching. I really hope you guys enjoyed today's show on Right Idea, Wrong Image. To become an official Terabyte, head over to Tara Simon Studios on YouTube and click the subscribe button. And don't forget to take a peek at the links and resources left just for you in the show notes of this podcast. And most importantly, spread faith, not fear, love, not germs, be a blessing in a stranger's life because that is how we change the world. I love you guys. I am so proud of you and I'll see you on the next one. 